What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on. Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host, Brian Ruka, and with me as always over there is the people's producer, producer Juice. Truth Box, what do you get to say to the people out there in the Right and Wrong audience this week, my man? How arrogant are you to think that you deserve to go through life with no one ever saying anything that you don't agree with or like? People mistake... Sometimes demanding equality, right, by not being part of humour, it's actually demanding um, privilege. Someone says they're offended. I, I want people to stop saying that joke's offensive. Yeah. I want them to start saying I found it offensive because you've got to own the emotion because that's all it is. You're yeah. just telling me how you feel about it. Yeah. There's nothing and intrinsically offensive about this joke. But people then they go, uh, wow, um, yeah, but you shouldn't hurt people's feelings. Well, you can if their feelings are wrong. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. Get, if, yeah, you, if you don't okay. like the facts, get... Yeah, don't yeah. change the facts, change the feelings, yeah. you know. Um, Amen to that, brother. Absolutely. Keep doing what you do. Speak the truth all day, every day. I love it. Keep up the good work with those. So we've got a locked and loaded show for you guys today, as usual. But before we preview that, please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star rating and drop us a comment even uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, if you feel like that as well. We've got to thank uh, Flaherty617 for the encouraging comment on Apple that was left recently, that stuff really helps motivate us. So thank you for dropping one of those. Well, I know last week we avoided talking about it, but this week we will touch on the story in East Palestine, Ohio, because we were reminded this past week about Joe Biden's America last mindset versus Donald Trump's America first mindset. In Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee plans to devote $100 million to help fund pregnancy crisis centers in his state. So we'll discuss that. And a former NHL player claims that allowing a four-year-old kid to participate in the All-Star game is a heinous act. We'll dive into that story and find out why he feels that way. And in our Come On Men segment of the day, we get to play a TikTok video from Libs of TikTok of a horrible mother that has changed her son into her daughter. So with that being said, I do believe it is that time of the show where we get to welcome in our good friend, Mr. Ric Flair, because it is... Showtime, baby! Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 So I was able to get out of town over the long weekend and take the family for a visit to the old Peach State. That's right, we got to hang out and spend a couple of nights at Casa de Truth with the Juice Box and his family. Yeah, man. We were able to enjoy a WWE premium live event where we overcame a continuous buffer situation. We got to enjoy a few cold ones and let the kids run around at a yuppie's paradise that is an outside green space in downtown Alpharetta. And the Truth Box even introduced me to an establishment that serves what should now be considered one of the top 15 french fries of all time. Needless to say, we had ourselves a blast. One of the most fulfilling parts of the weekend was when I got to enjoy Sunday Mass with my friend. It's interesting to reflect on our lives from time to time, but here we were, two 38-year-old married fathers of two worshiping God together. Man, I can still remember being in church with him during the middle of a school day in elementary school. Back in those days, we used to 
go as a school once a month to daily mass, in addition to any other holy days of obligation. It takes on a much bigger meaning when you're there by choice as opposed to requirement, though. And we both made that choice to be there that day, together, even if my head was slightly pounding from the festivities of the night before. So, on Saturday night, me and Truth went for the ride to go pick up some of the pizzas that we had ordered. We were chatting and catching up. We often talk about topics and ideas for the show through text and email, but we really have the time to focus and talk about what's going on like in our lives. Anyways, I was talking about how I have confidence as a husband and as a father, how I'm at ease with my faith and my relationship with God. I was explaining how I think I'm succeeding in those areas in life and how it feels great knowing that. I was also talking about how I'm proud of the work I've been able to do with this podcast. I think we've been working hard at it, and I think it continues to improve from week to week. Now, the area of my life where I'm not so happy and not so confident is in the money-making slash career side of things. I'm basically living paycheck to paycheck like most people out there, but work right now is just about making some money to pay the bills. And I was explaining to my buddy how I just want right and wrong to replace the work thing and for the show to be something that will generate enough money where we could do it full time. I'm sure I'm not alone, but I hate how work is just something you must do to make money. I want to do something that I love to do, that's important, and that I can earn a living while doing it. I want to make money doing the right and wrong show. On the flip side of this feeling, I did also find it fair to point out that podcasts are a dime a dozen these days. It feels like everyone has a podcast, so the chances of this one breaking through are what, you know, 50-50 at best? I'd say I'm more of a dreamer and Juice is more of a realist. I mean, they don't call the kid the truth box for nothing, folks. But he did tell me something that was pretty encouraging. He said that 50% of podcasts only record one episode. That's it. Just one episode and they quit or get bored or whatever. But they only end up producing one episode and then move on to something else. So the fact that we're closing in on our one-year anniversary of doing this is something we should both be proud of, and we are. I told him that it's like the Herb Brooks speech in, uh, in Miracle about how if the U.S. played the Russians 10 times, they'd probably lose nine of those games. But for that one game, that one night, it was Team USA's turn to win. And I said, that's going to be us as a podcast that breaks through. Nine out of 10 times, they would fail. But we'll be that one that finally pops. Okay, so now flashback to us in church. And it started off as a coincidence that the gospel was focusing on a story that me and him talked about as one that was highlighted during an episode of The Chosen that we both liked. We were already nudging each other about that, but then the homily comes and our jaws literally dropped. The priest gets up there and he starts by talking about how he bombed the first ever job interview that he had while he was wrapping up his college career. He said he didn't have an answer for the question of, where do you want to be in five years? That simple question of, What are your future goals? He ended up saying that at the time he was looking for some kind of work to help him pay his bills. But he used that story to remind us that we need to set goals for ourselves and that Jesus challenges us to set lofty goals. In fact, during that gospel, Jesus is preaching that we need to be perfect. And the priest spoke about how intimidating the goal of perfection is to people. He then went on to tell the story of a hockey coach by the name of Herb Brooks, who in 1979 
was setting a fairly lofty goal of trying to assemble a perfect hockey team to challenge the USSR at the 1980 Winter Olympics. You should have seen the two of us elbowing each other, foot kicking each other, and like I said, jaws dropping as this was going on. It was so spot on that I was asking Juice if the priest had bugged his car or something. The priest pointed out that in the movie, when Brooks claims that his goal is to beat the Soviets and to win the gold, a colleague scoffs, "Uh, pretty lofty goals, huh, Herb? To which Brooks replies, yeah, and that's why I'm pursuing it. The point being that we should be setting lofty goals. We should be striving for perfection. We should be setting goals that the rest of the world would consider unachievable and unrealistic. I mean, come on, what are the chances that me and Juice would have that exact conversation using the exact Herb Brooks analogy and then be in the pew the next day listening to a priest use the same story to encourage people to set lofty goals for themselves? That was God telling us to keep going, to keep working at this, and to not give up the dream of turning the right and wrong show into our careers. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. All right, it is time to get to our rights and wrongs of the week. So here we go. Let's take it away with topic number one. Juice, what do we got going on? Uh, Biden travels to Ukraine while Trump travels to Ohio. That's what we're going to talk about with this one. All right. Well, last week I mentioned that I wasn't going to focus on the environmental disaster that is um, in the wake of that train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Well, last week I felt like the situation was pretty cut and dry, like I didn't have much more to add to it. This week, our president decided that the people of Ukraine were more important than the people of East Palestine. Meanwhile, our former president showed up with food, water, money, and he he was there to help raise the spirits of a broken community. Talk about America first versus America last, huh, people? Well, Trump did what Trump does best, too. He showed up at a Donnie's in their community where he provided some food for people. Um, and he had this to say. Juice, you got that that clip? Trump number one? Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful-looking group of people. So I know this menu better than you do. Okay? I probably know it better than anybody in here. Why are you visiting today? Well, we brought a lot of people with us, and more importantly, we brought the federal government with us because uh, when they heard I was coming, they all came. They weren't going to come. They were going to leave you abandoned, and now they're not. Uh, the owner over here, he saw that. I helped out all the responders and everything the yeah. first week. I was out here making egg McMuffins myself yeah. Saturday morning. You did a good with job. With these guys. He did, he did so. a good job. So give us a nice array of stuff. Take care of the people, and I'll see you later, okay? Thank you, so Thank you all. Thank Can you I get a picture much. with you? What do you yeah, think about- Thank you, Juice. So while Trump's doing that, um, our president is over in Ukraine, and President Unity had this to say. Juice? America was being tested. NATO was being tested. All democracies are being tested. And the questions we face were as simple as they were profound. Would we respond? Or would we look the other way? Would we be strong? Or would we be weak? Would be you, we, would, be, would we, the, all of our allies, would be united or divided? One year later, we know the answer. We did respond. We would be strong. We would be united. What a joke, huh? I mean, who's a better communicator? You guys tell me. Is it Trump or that bumbling moron over there? 
Meanwhile, you got Trump in there. I want a shamrock shake. They're the best shakes of all time. And nothing's better than the shamrock shakes. <laughs> I love that he's in there at a Donnie's. He he loves that stuff, and he always talks about it. And you know, he actually likes it. So that was a good look for him. Um, and the best point that Trump made is talking about bringing the federal government with him. Just by him showing up and actually paying attention to these people, it then forced the Biden administration to actually show up and pretend to pay attention to them. So that was a great move by uh, by Trump. And just with Trump being there, that made Biden contact uh, Mayor Pothole Pete there because Biden can't go himself. He's too busy playing wannabe tough guy and continuous ATM machine for Zelensky over there. So um, he just can't be bothered. So Pothole Pete gets sent instead to go do nothing a day after Trump went. Um, Juice, you got that tough guy Joe one that we have? Let's hear what else he had to say over there in the Ukraine. Autocrats only understand one word. No, no, no. No, you will not take my country. No, you will not take my freedom. No, you will not take my future. And I'll repeat tonight what I said last year in the same place. A dictator bent on rebuilding an empire will never be able to ease the people's love of liberty. Brutality will never grind down the will of the free. And Ukraine, Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. Never. No, I will not show my face in East Palestine. No, I will not approve FEMA to help you. No, I will not consider your future. And East Palestine will never, never come before Ukraine. I mean, can you blame this bumbling dolt for thinking that that's going to play well? Listen to what else he thinks. He, he thinks this is the amount of support that's in the U.S. for Ukraine. Juice, you got that one? Biden number two? The American people are united in our resolve as well. All across my country, in big cities and small towns, Ukrainian flags fly from American homes. Over the past year, Democrats and Republicans in our United States Congress have come together to stand for freedom. That's who Americans are. And that's what Americans do. <laughs> that's who Americans are, and that's what Americans do. We fly Ukrainian flags from our homes. No, actually, we don't. Just the, the elitist, liberal one percenters in the world in, in America here just put them in their bio on Facebook. That's about it. They don't actually fly, fly them from their home. Outside their home is one of those all lives matter. In this home, we believe in all lives mattering, black, blue, brown and gay lives we believe in this that and the other thing that's what they have outside their homes they don't fly the ukrainian flag come on come on man (laughs) they just put it in their bio we all know how they virtue signal around here but this guy I, i just can't believe that like at this time with this going on here in his country spends the time to go over there and try to do the tough guy joe routine I mean, at least his speech was done at night, so he didn't bust out those aviator glasses. <laughs> oh, absolutely ridiculous. But um, just to put a bow on this whole thing, that's the big difference between these two, between him and Trump. You guys know I'm, I'm Team DeSantis when all is said and done, but that's something Trump is great at, just connecting with people and, you know, kind of making fun of himself, but but in a 
in a fun way. Like everybody knows the guy loves McDonald's. So coming in and dropping that line about, I know the menu better than you. Give me a double cheeseburger, uh, a McFlurry, and a large fry. No salt. Everybody knows if you order them with no salt, you get piping hot fresh fries, and then you just put your own salt on them yourself. <laughs> so Everybody knows he knows all those hacks and all those tricks, so that's great that he leans into that. Meanwhile, Biden's just over there like getting walked around and doesn't know where he is. So, um, you know, any of these situations where Trump can be with regular normal people, that's when he looks the best. Next, America first. All right. Well, while President Unity is uh, overseas, he left behind his very black, very gay press secretary, Karen Jean Pierre, to remind everybody how amazing and diverse this administration is. Juice, you got that clip? I want to take the opportunity to, to lay out uh, what how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, the cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. Forty percent of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the presidents are openly LGBTQ+. So, again, this is something that the president prides himself on. Uh, that he ha- actually has taken action to show uh, the diversity of this administration. Hey, KJP, guess what? Bring it in. Bring it in. I want to tell you a little secret, okay? Make sure nobody else is listening. Check both sides, okay? We don't care. We don't care what they look like, who they sleep with, or how they identify. Nobody does. Only you people do. We care about are they good at their jobs. That's the only thing that should matter. And it seems like the answer continues to be no with this administration. <laughs> when you look at what you guys are doing and the track record you have, um, the answer is no. You guys aren't good at your jobs. Next. Again, we didn't do it on our own. We did right. it in, in, uh, in uh, clearly in, 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 in step with uh, right. Canada. This story comes from the great state of Tennessee, where Governor Bill Lee announced a plan to um, throw $100 million towards funding of pregnancy crisis centers in his state. So that's a a very good headline. Now, I would love to talk about this one because compare that to the type of headline to the story we covered last week um, out in Minnesota, or that might have been two weeks ago. But remember that in Minnesota, they're legalizing abortion up to the point of birth. But here in this story, we have the governor of Tennessee allocating resources to fund the places that help scared Desperate women realize they have other options. They have other choices. Let's hear from Governor Lee, um, his comments about it during his State of the State address uh, a few weeks ago. Juice, you got that one? This year, I'm proposing a $100 million grant program to partner with nonprofits that serve mothers and fathers and families during a crisis pregnancy. With that, our Office of Faith-Based Initiatives has a unique ability and an important opportunity to engage nonprofits and community organizations. And I believe it's time to equip them with the resources they need to play a bigger role as we endeavor to better serve children and families. Now, we can and should have a healthy debate about policy specifics, but we can all agree that America is rooted in a commitment to human dignity. There was a significant shift in this country last year when it comes to protecting the lives of the unborn. 
And we now all have an opportunity, a moral obligation to support strong Tennessee families. He's absolutely right. We all have a moral obligation to support these families. I love it. And I I just can't get over the difference between a blue state like Minnesota and a red state like Tennessee and and what they're doing. Um, I know it's kind of a common thing to say. And Juice's favorite congresswoman called for a separation, a divide in our country, time to split, form two separate countries of blue states and red states. I know she recently tweeted that, but I don't think that's feasible. But the divide has never been greater. I can definitely admit that and, and agree to that. When you have one state supporting abortion up to the moment of birth in another state, supporting funding of crisis pregnancy centers where they're there to help educate these scared, desperate women that feel like they don't have any other option but to kill their own babies. These pregnancy crisis centers are there to, to support them and give them help and give them another option. Because any option is better than just murdering your own baby. So that's a great thing that they're doing in Tennessee, and I love it. And, of course, the left freaks out about stuff like that. But Tennessee is really leading the way right now. They have that other bill that they're passing um, that's going to criminalize doing these sex change operations for kids under 18. Um, they'll be able to sue their doctors and their parents who... Um, you know, forced them down that road or brought them there to get those surgeries done. So that's a great bill that's being passed there as well. And I think they have something else. Uh, I can't remember that. I'm going to have to look into that and maybe we'll do a little bit longer form into that um, in one of our upcoming episodes. But Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee, keep up the great work. Next. A truly great job. All right. So this story here is um, a former NHL player, Dominic Hasek refers to the league highlighting the four-year-old son of one of its biggest stars, Alex Ovechkin, as a heinous act. So Hasek is a former goalie that he's been extremely vocal as an anti-Russian activist since this Russian-Ukraine war began. And Hasek, I don't know if any, any hockey fans out there, I'm sure Mr. XXXXL is a hockey fan. So you remember Hasek, he had the the, the terrible mask. He used to wear that red helmet. And I think it was red. Sorry. But the helmet with like the regular cage that you'd see on a Dorchester Youth Hockey um, Squirts C player. And every other goalie had a real goalie mask and helmet. And he wore that thing. Uh, flopped and flailed and dove all around the ice. And it, it worked for him for a few years. He was pretty good. But... He's been calling for all sports leagues to ban any Russian-born players from participating in those leagues as long as uh, the Russian invasion continues. So that's um, that's a pretty strong stance by Mr. Hasek. Alexander Ovechkin, I'm sure, again, most people have at least heard of him, even people that aren't hockey fans. He's the um, mega star for the Washington Capitals. He's been a huge, huge face of... Uh, hockey for the past what 20 years or so and he's been the person that Hasek's focused on the most he's been going after him I mean it's the fact that the guy's Russian he um, does have a relationship with Putin um, but he pretty much tries to poo-poo the situation most of the time and, and stay away from it and you know it doesn't really make strong stances one way or another I mean he definitely has um, ties to his home country 
which is like it is what it is. The guys are uh, born in Russia. He lives here. He plays hockey here. But Russia's not fighting the U.S. right now. And the guy hasn't even really said anything about it. He's just kind of said, I don't think anybody should be at war. We need to figure ways out to keep things peaceful and not be doing doing stuff like that. That's pretty much all he's ever said about it. Meanwhile, Hasek, he's continues his racist Russian rhetoric about any player, any athlete from that country uh, being able to participate in, in sports leagues. So um, about a week ago, week and a half ago now, the NHL had their all-star game and Hasek didn't hold back after the league highlighted a cute little father-son moment between Ovechkin and his four-year-old son, Sergei. So... They were doing, um, it was the night before the All-Star game and they played like their skills competition where, you know, you had the hardest slap shot, the, you know, fastest skater, all these types of things. And they had a little moment where Ovechkin's little four-year-old kid out there, they let him come in on a breakaway on one of the goalies and like try and shoot and score and stuff like that. So that was like, like, what are you going to do? It's a, one of those, oh, like moments. So they, they played that in. Of course, Hasek takes a screenshot of the picture of the kid, his dad, um, skating on the ice, and the goalie in the background, and he tweets this. This is a quote from Hasek. The at NHL has sunk to rock bottom, exclamation point, letting Ovechkin's son perform on the ice at the NHL All-Star Game is spitting in the face of approximately 500 killed thousands injured, and tens of thousands of kidnapped Ukrainian children. The NHL and Gary Bettman must pay for this heinous act! Exclamation point. What's this guy talking about? Like, why? that's a heinous act? Letting this guy's kid skate on the ice and, and do something, you know, a little, little shoot on the goalie? Like, what? Because his country is involved in an, in, in an invasion, in, in a war, in a conflict with another country? This guy who's not a Russian soldier, who's here legally in the United States, he can't participate in an NHL All-Star game with his kid just because he was born in Russia? At this point, Hasek might just start advocating for rounding up all the Russians out there and putting them into concentration camps. That's that's where this guy's at with it. I mean, how how is that any different? It's crazy to me. And this guy, like, thinks he's all high and mighty because he's... You know, most people are anti-Russia, and Russia's definitely at fault in this war. Like, they're the ones who, you know, I'm not Mr. Ukraine. You're never going to see a Ukraine flag hanging from my house or in my Facebook profile. But they're still the ones that are, you know, the good guys in this story. Russia invaded them. So I get that. We could all admit to that. But for this guy to call for the NHL to say nobody born in Russia can play in the league because this is going on. Or, or be involved in anything else. That's just nuts. So I, I don't know what this guy's deal is and, and why he feels that way, but he, it's absolutely crazy. Next. No, it's not. What is this stuff on here? We're hockey night in Canada and we're talking about saving the world and all that stuff. Let's talk hockey. Oh. Juice, do we got enough time to squeeze in one more clip? I know we're running running late here um, and we got to keep things moving. Do we, can we do one more? Can we? Can we? Can we? Yeah. Okay, great. Great. All right, I will go quickly. Um let's go to the, to the very eloquent Vice President of the United States. I just had to share this one with you guys. Juice. Every day Joe Biden and I talk about and work 
together with our partners, like former leader Hoyer, current leader Hoyer, um, to lower the cost for the people of our nation, because you are a leader. For working families, we have reduced heating and electricity bills. So folks have more money in their pocket to buy things like school supplies, replace the dishwasher, or take a family vacation. <laughs> what? Gas and oil are up about 25%, and electricity is up almost 12%. What is this lady talking about? When I visited Massachusetts back in December, all I heard about was how expensive the utilities are. She's just clueless. But you know what, guys? She does enjoy a good Venn diagram. And that's why we call her Kamalama Ding Dong. Hey, yeah, you put All right. the well, that'll wrap things up for the rights and wrongs of the week. Uh, thanks for enjoying those with us. And stick around for the final segment of the show where we find a clip of someone saying or doing something so ridiculous that the only thing that's left to say to them is, come on, man. Next. We've made it to the people's segment, ladies and gentlemen, the come on, man, segment of the day. And we are looking for a sponsor for this part of the show. So please, if you want, uh, hit us up at what? what's our email address? Right and wrong, 617 at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. So shoot us an email if you want to sponsor the come on, man, segment of the day. If you just retired, maybe, and you're throwing a bunch of money around during a lot of these pools and stuff, go for it. If you got a big, cushy gig with a public school department and you want to sponsor the segment, or if you work at a company that's um, about to go under, closing stores left and right, we'll also take your um, funding as well. And hey, even if you run one of the most successful restaurant company groups, stores out there, high-end business um, and you, you got a few extra bucks laying around that you want to sponsor a segment in the show, we could definitely do that as well. So give us uh, an email. Let us know if that's something you're interested in, and uh, I guess we'll get right to it. Juice, you ready for this? Yeah, we uh, went right back to the well with one of the most um, influential, powerful accounts that's ever been created out there on the World Wide Web, Libs of TikTok. Great, great account. We're simply... The lady just reposts all these crazy libs and leftists um, saying and doing ridiculous things and trying to justify it by, you know, posting it to the Internet. And then we get a hold of it and we get to show you guys just how crazy these people are out there. And this one is going to be a mother who was asked like a question on TikTok of how she knew. Um, I think it's like how she knew her kid was ready to transition uh, and this is her going to be her explanation about how to um, h- how she knew and why she did what she did. So, Juice, keep your finger on the trigger. I don't think I'm going to get through this whole thing all in one shot. I'm going to have to jump in from time to time because it's just so absurd and she rambles on quite a bit. So I'll break it up a little bit for you guys. Um, but I guess without further ado, let's go right to this uh, crazy lady. Juice. Okay, so first of all, I will say that the process, the journey is ongoing and probably will be for potentially her entire life but here's how it started hold on hold on hold on i know we just started but i think you can tell just by that voice right off the bat that she's you know just somebody that we can't take seriously you hear that well i think the journey started right away when <laughs> sorry all right go, go ahead back juice 
So she was uh, designated, assigned, observed male at birth. And until about 18 months, didn't really, you know, know too much, just kind of was raising two kids, working full time, not really paying attention to what was going on. Whoa, 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 whoa. That right there is something that could easily be skipped over. But you hear that? Working full time, raising two kids, not really knowing what's going on. And she's going to frame that as like not really understanding that her boy is actually a girl. Because did you hear what she said before to um, assigned at birth as a boy? And now I was working full time, raising two kids, not really realizing what's going on. And she's going to, like I said, flip that into. So I didn't realize she really was a girl this whole time. No, 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 no. You had it correct when you said not really know what's going on. And that's because you don't really know what's going on with your family. You don't really prioritize your family. You're more proud of the fact that you're a working mom, working full time, raising two kids. You want the credit for that. But meanwhile, you're going to neglect your kids, not really pay that much attention to them. And maybe that's why they're trying to act out to get your attention. Because look how much attention this boy now is receiving from you because you've allowed him to transition into a girl. So um, I know it's a theme that I often go back to, and it's not super popular this day and age, but single parent working household is the, is the structure. I, I truly believe in that. And I know most of us can't do it. Um, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. And it's things are so expensive these days that we all feel like we have to both work, but you need a parent to be home in, in the house with, with these children and to raise the children. You can't be letting them be raised by daycares and school systems. And cause, cause that's how they're corrupting our children. Look what they're doing. They're getting them at such a young age and we feel like we're stuck and we have to both work, but you can't tell me that that's not a product of some of this stuff. The parents aren't home. The parents, when they are home, they're tired because they're working all day. So they don't have the time or the discipline to discipline their own children and to to work through behavioral situations or psychological situations like this. So they'd rather just go along with it. And that's what we get stuck with. All right, go ahead back, Juice. And at around 18 months, started she started showing signs of like really being interested in things that her sister had and had in her closet and wanting to play dress up and wanting to put on lip gloss. And when she would see fingernails, she would want her fingernails painted, too. And, you know, we just we thought it was cute. No issue. We had no issue with, you know, her wanting to do those kinds of things. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let's stop it again there. Uh, that's not cute. And again, like not saying you have to like freak out about stuff. You know, but in my mind, there's a difference between like a child that would want to maybe push like a baby doll around, play with like, like things like that, as opposed to wanting to paint their fingernails or wear fake fingernails or wear dresses and stuff. And I'm sorry, I would put a stop to that. I would, I would be like, eh, no, let's not like, feel like there's ways to, to work around that. Instead, I think a lot of these people and this is how this woman strikes me as embrace that immediately and, and see a little hint of that and then run with it. Like, Oh, okay. We'll throw a dress on. Yeah. We'll do your nails for you. And that again, is just, it's not the positive reinforcement you should be looking for that the kid acts out or does something that's kind of strange and not really 
the correct behavior for their gender. And instead of just, you know, simply, you know, being corrected with it, they end up getting praise for it or they get more attention for it. And again, want to stay in that cycle. Let's go back. Um, and then around the age of two, things started to progress at a quicker pace. And so each time that we would go to pick her up from preschool, she was fully outfitted in dresses and jewelry. And so I will say I was super stoked that we had such a wonderful childcare center that she was in because she was allowed to, you know, experiment with her gender and play dress up and do those kinds of things and have access to them. So when I would go to pick her up from preschool, like I said, she would be dripping in, you know, just jewelry and clicky shoes and all kinds of stuff. And getting her to take that off to go home was usually a pretty gnarly struggle. Okay. Okay. Um, just the fact that she used the word gnarly struggle, uh, it tells you another thing you need to know about this lady, but, um, which, which, daycare child care center would have the balls this day and age to tell a, a, a boy that he shouldn't have on the jewelry or a dress or something none of them they're gonna let these kids do whatever they want because they're afraid of of people calling them crazy bigots or, or getting in trouble or whatever so they're gonna let the kids play with anything put on whatever that's what it is what it is like you know obviously you, dress up's one thing you, you're playing and it's all part of a, a something sure whatever go at it but again, I go back to the fact of the fact that the, the problem being that this kid even has to be in that daycare center as much as he needs to be. I'm not sure what age he started, but it seems like at a pretty young age. And that's what worries me from the Biden administration, where they keep talking about um, lowering the age for public schools and that type of stuff, because they want access to your kids at, at younger and younger ages. And you know, my wife worked at a at a daycare um, for a long time, and it it stinks. Like, and again, I get it. I'm not trying to cast judgment upon anybody out there who does this because most people in the world, the mom and dad, both have to work. We we get it. We all do. But it's sad when you think about the fact that a child has to go to a daycare at six weeks old because mom has to get back to work, and. I feel for mothers who have to go through that and have to feel that 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 guilt with having to do that, but also feeling the struggle of having to pay their bills and pay their mortgage and their car payments and stuff like that. And again, it's not an easy thing to fix, but I think if more people were willing to maybe downsize their personal lives a little bit, you know, the stuff that we have, the all the electronics in our lives, all the all the gadgets, the sizes of our homes, the amount of cars that each family has, like all that type of stuff. And uh, if we could ever get to the point of peeling some of that stuff back and getting back to the days of, of only one of the parents needing to work, and I'm not even like saying it has to be the dad. Um, I think it makes more sense because obviously mom needs that bonding time. But I, I do think that that would just it would be better off for our children and for our communities and stuff like that. But we're a long way away from that. And, you know, I don't think it's wrong to at least notice that and talk about it. Let's go back to this lady juice. Uh, and then pr around the age of four, she started wanting to wear like leggings and headbands. She had this one headband she was completely attached to that. She felt, I, I look back on it now and think to myself, gosh, I wonder when she put that, 
that headband on, she thought to herself, people see me for who I am. No one's going to misgender me now. Um, and so it, it progressed. It just kept moving in that direction with more and more things that started showing more and more signs. Um, she would say, when I wake up tomorrow, I'll be a girl. And we were kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. And my husband and I would be like, we gotta, we gotta figure this thing out. And so kind of for that final test, my husband decided, you know what? We're going to figure this thing out. We're, we're going to. We're going to tap into this and see what happens. So he said, you know, I'm going to coach a t-ball team and I want her to be on it. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. Well, that didn't go over so well. She not only hated t-ball, she hated the uniform. She hated the hat. We found everything in the trash multiple times. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have two kids of my own. We're around them all the time. How is this kid throwing their t-ball? Now she's got me doing it. How is this kid throwing his t-ball stuff uniform? In the trash. If my kids tried to do that, I would see them going towards the trash and stop them. Like, what kind of life do you guys have at home? Are, are you are you engaged with your children or are you just ignoring them and then you go to throw something in the trash, you see this uniform sitting in there? How would your kid get to the trash without you noticing and in, in seeing this happen in real time? I don't get that. That's why I, I think the story is fabricated and she's trying to make herself sound like a hero with this whole thing. All right. Let's keep going. We're almost done. Um, she was, uh, you couldn't get her out the door uh, to go play on Saturday mornings. And so uh, eventually I thought at one point, well, okay, well, what if I let you wear your leggings and a tank top underneath? And we can, as soon as the game's over, you can take your uniform off. And she was like, okay. So she wore the headband. She didn't wear the hat. She wore the headband. She wore the clothes underneath her uniform. And she would go to the game and she would stand there. And as soon as it was like, game over, she would rip those clothes, you know, that uniform off and stand and proud in her tank top and her leggings. Um, and very shortly after that, she told us she was a girl. And we believe her. I'm sorry. I don't believe him. And you shouldn't either. I mean end of the game rips off the jersey and the pants and is standing there in the tank top with the headband and stuff sounds like a kid that's been brought to a drag queen story hour once or twice maybe and i wouldn't put it past this lady so uh, again it's all about just be more be a better parent i'm sorry that stuff uh just it rings hollow to me it sounds like a fake story exaggerated where this lady just paints this picture that she wants you to to feel like you know she's doing the right thing and she wants all this praise by telling this story and i just call bs on most of it i look at it as as a set of parents that don't really want to raise their children properly don't have what it takes to handle difficult situations and just merely give in because it's easier and then also that social um you know hero worship side of it too plays a factor in this where she's going to be praised by all of her buddies and friends now and get a million views on her tiktok video about it so that certainly plays a role in this as well but other than that the only thing that's going to suffer in this is that child for the rest of his life now um they've completely ruined this kid and it's unfortunate that that's happening all across this country so crazy little mom who thinks her boy's a girl you my friend have earned yourself one big, fat, rotten... Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we've enjoyed ourselves. And please, don't forget to like the show, subscribe to the show, drop us a five-star rating, and you know, feel free to leave us a comment as well. We might even read it on the show one of these days. Until next week, my name is Brian Ruka, and over there is producer Truthbox. 
We've enjoyed having you, and uh, I guess that's all I have to say. Thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.